0: This morning we're kicking off a new series, I'm just going to give you a little sampling of kind of where we're going with this, and the series is On the Road. We thought it'd be a fun series for the summer, we're going to give you some ice cream when you're leaving, is that amazing? We're incentivizing you post-COVID to come back on campus, we will give you ice cream. And uh, uh, you know, there's that scripture that says, if you feed them, they will come, you know, that's not actually in the Bible, but anyway. Uh, (laughs) What we're trying to do is help you get in shape. And by the way, round is a shape, so at ice cream will put you right on down the road, right? Amen. He's preaching now. (laughs) So we're, we're talking about in this series what God does along the journey of life. Because we're on a journey. We're all moving from one place to the next place. None of us is where we used to be. We're not in the same places relationally. We're not in the same places financially. We're not in the same places in our careers. Every one of us are in a different place, and when you Think about it. Uh, Real success is just understanding the progressive will of God for your life. Progressive will of God for your life. God is moving us from point A ultimately to heaven. And on the journey, he will take us on this road from time to time. Sometimes it's a smooth road. Sometimes it's a rough road. But on this road, as God is working in our life, he will use the experiences of life to stretch us and to strengthen us to enable us to be the people he has designed us to be. I love what the late great Paul Harvey used to say. He would say, you know you're on the road to success when it's uphill all the way. (laughs) And that's really true. I mean, honestly, I've told you if you're not running into the devil, it might be signs you're running with him. (laughs) Sometimes the opposition of life you face is confirmation that you're doing the right thing. I mean, listen, if you were no threat to the enemy, he wouldn't be trying to give you so much grief. The fact that you are doing the good things, the fact that you're trying to be a responsible person to take care of your family, to have some spiritual instruction in your life and the life of your family, don't you think for a skinny minute that the devil would not try to thwart that, that he wouldn't try to stop that? Here's what I found. When you study the Bible and you understand the strategy of our enemy, there's two things he seeks to do, and these are significant. Number one, he will seek to keep people away from God. I mean, that's number one. If he doesn't do anything else but keep you away from God, mission accomplished, because the big difference between heaven and hell is what you do with Jesus. When you read Matthew 7, verse 23, uh, Jesus said, In the last day, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not in thy name do many wonderful things? And then Jesus said, I'll have to say to them, depart from me. You've worked deceit. And here it is. I never knew you. I didn't know you. You did a lot of great things, you were charitable, you did a lot of great, uh, you know, good things for your family, but you didn't have a relationship with me. When Nicodemus came to Jesus confused in John three, Nicodemus says, I don't understand. How, how can I be born again? How, how can I know that I'm going to heaven when I die? And, and Jesus gave Nicodemus the only answer. He said, man, you, you need a spiritual birth. You, you need to be, just as you were born physically, you need to be born spiritually. And then he reiterates that in John 14 before he departs for the cross, when he says to his apostles not to let their hearts be troubled, and then he gives them this assurance. He said, look, I am the way, the truth, the life, and listen, no one comes to the Father except by me. Well, I know that, the Bible teaches that, you know that. Well, so does the devil. So what does he do? He's trying to keep you away from God. And he'll use some very strategic things. one of the things the devil uses to keep people away from God it's other people, <laughs> other people, good examples of bad examples. And he will use other people. I, I know a lot of people say, oh, I would have become a Christian, you know, if it wasn't for watching these people. You know, Mahatma Gandhi once said, I might have become a Christian if I'd ever seen one. So sometimes the devil will use people to keep people away from God. How many times we heard that old thing? And well, I'd go to church, but there's too many hypocrites. You hear that one? I hear a guy get that a lot. And I love to tell them, this is a good thing to tell them. Just say, oh, come on, one more isn't going to hurt anything. <laughs> the church, yeah, it's full of, everything's full of hypocrites. The grocery store is full of hypocrites. Come on. We're all a little hypocrite about everything. Somebody says, how you doing? You don't drop the, the chart and tell them, how, you really want to know? Sit down, get some coffee. You know, so it's to some extent, we all play that game. But my point is, the devil will use people to keep people away from God. Then if it isn't people, sometimes he uses circumstances to keep you away from God. He'll use problems. He'll use things that we just don't understand and we can't comprehend. He'll use things like Uvalde that happens where it's just an unspeakable tragedy. And somebody says, well, if there's a God and he's a loving God, how could this God allow these sorts of things to happen? And sometimes, guys, there are mysteries of life because there's evil in the world that there just aren't quick, easy um, um, explanations of them. I'm convinced that some things we'll never have all the answers to until we're in heaven. When God created all things, God said, look, I'm going to give man a choice. If you're not free to choose against God, you're not free to choose God. So he gave man the choice, and we know how the story goes. He chose against God, and since then, the presence of evil is in the world. And you have people who oftentimes choose evil. It doesn't mean God has failed. As long as there is an eternity, God has time to judge evil. That's why he said, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. People don't get by with anything. God has time to judge people. We look sometimes at the judgment of God as needing to happen in time. God sees his judgment as in eternity. You see, what happens when a person leaves here is you step from the temporal into the eternal. When God breathed into man the breath of life, man became an eternal soul. There'll never be a moment when you and I do not exist. What you do with Jesus determines where we exist. But the point I'm making is those who are evil and those who do despicable things, they may not be judged in time, they will be judged in eternity because God doesn't overlook any offense. So I'm just suggesting those are mysteries that happen that cause people to choose not to trust God. So the devil doesn't care, please hear me, the devil doesn't care if it's a legitimate issue or if it's just something that's more imagined in your mind and you made it bigger than it actually is, he doesn't care as long as the end result is you never trust Jesus. He keeps you away from God. He constantly hides the ball. So strategy number one, keep you away from God. Strategy number two, if that isn't effective and you do receive Jesus as your savior and you invite him into your life, The second part of his strategy is to keep you from making a difference for God. He'll put you on the sideline. Paul said, I I keep under my body and I keep it into submission, lest after I preach to others, I would be a castaway. Paul said, man, I'm afraid God will bench me at some point. I'm afraid I'll go to the grandstands and I'll quit making a difference on the field. And guys, can I tell you, once you have trusted Jesus as your savior, you get on this road, on this destination, on this journey, and all of a sudden you start hitting some rough spots in the road, you have a blowout, you have a wreck, or you go off road. And sometimes the tendency is to just simply say, I'm done. There's a lot of people, listen, that gave up on church that just didn't give up on God. And the devil is strategic, man. He will absolutely make sure somebody comes along in your path to sideline you, to keep you from making a difference for God. He uses people. Sometimes it's good people, Christian people, people with good intentions, people that did not intentionally uh, plan to hurt you or disappoint you or even gossip about you, but they did. You heard about it and you said, I'm done. And can I tell you, we have thousands of people thousands of people who are even associated with our church, that that's part of their story. At some point, they got hurt in a church experience. I hear from them all the time. And so they're hesitant and they're resident to, to come back uh, and, and kind of stick their toe back in the water. That's why you hear, you've heard me say many times, if you've never got hurt in church, you just didn't go long enough. I mean, hang in there, baby. Somebody will run you down to the glory of God. Everybody in the room has a story. Everybody listening to me could talk about an experience you've had in church at some point where you got hurt or you got disappointed. And what I can tell you about anybody's church is the best anybody who knows Jesus will ever be, the best will ever be are sinners saved by grace. I'm not excusing things. I'm just saying, guys, there's no perfect churches. If you're visiting and you're looking for a perfect church and if you ever find it, don't join it. You'll mess it up. (laughs) There's just no perfect churches there's just churches you don't know as much about them as you do maybe another church. But once you get to know them, you're like, okay, they're not a perfect, But but, but settle into that, right? All I'm saying, I'm not excusing things. I'm just saying, settle into the fact that perfection cannot be your goal. Uh, By the way, the perfection can't be your goal, not only in your church, but in your Christian life. Now, we ought to strive to do better and we ought to try to do better. But can I tell you something? The best as I understand it, it's gonna be two steps forward and three back. You and I are gonna sin, we're gonna think things we shouldn't think, say things we shouldn't say, do things we shouldn't do. Again, I'm not excusing it, I'm just trying to help you understand. If perfection is your goal, the only time you're gonna achieve that is when you're in heaven. John 3 said, third John rather says, beloved, it does not yet appear what we will be, but we know that when we see him, We will be like him, for we will see him as he is. You and I will be perfect when we're in the presence of God. So if perfection is your goal, just ask God to kill you. (laughs) Because that's the only way you're going to attain it. God, kill me now. And that's the only way you're going to get it. So my point, don't miss the point. The point is, you've connected with Jesus. You're on the right road. You're experiencing his favor in your life. And all of a sudden, boom, you've encountered someone or you've encountered something and it blew the tires out it sent you off the road, you had a wreck. And so at that point now you have a decision to make. Do I allow the experience to drive me farther from God or to draw me in to Him? And so I hope we can challenge you. I hope the series is a challenge to stay on the right trail, stay on the road. Know it's not a perfect road. Know you're gonna have some road rage. Know you're gonna have some crazy people you're gonna have to in- deal with in life. But God has a plan and you're on a destination, you're on a journey, he has a purpose, stay on the road. And this morning I thought, man, what would be a great way to kick this off to help people really understand some of the things we encounter on this road, this road to success, this road to God's plan for our life. What are some of the things that we encounter? And I thought about all the examples in the Bible that you're gonna be hearing us talk about over the summer series. And I wanted to kick it off by talking about the children of Israel when they journeyed through the wilderness on the way to the promised land. You remember God told them when they left Egypt, I'm gonna give you a land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land, the land of Canaan. Now people sometimes in their understanding of scripture will think of Canaan as heaven, as heaven. They think about Canaan was the destination for the children of Israel. So therefore, uh, if you're doing the analogy, then for us, Canaan represents heaven. Well, the problem with the analogy of Canaan being heaven is there were people who lived in Canaan that didn't like God. There were people who lived in Canaan that opposed God. In the heaven I'm going to, nobody's gonna oppose him. Nobody's gonna be against him. The people in Canaan got sick, and the people in Canaan died. In the heaven I'm going to, friend, nobody gets sick. (laughs) Nobody's gonna die. So Canaan is not really a picture of heaven. Here it is. Canaan represents the fullness That a christ follower can have in their relationship with god the fullness of the holy spirit the fullness of god's blessing the fullness of his favor over your life it's having everything god has designed you to have it's possessing your possessions and by the way god will preserve the possession while he prepares the person and here he had a canaan land for them to inherit He was preserving the possession, but they weren't ready yet. He had to prepare the person. He had to prepare the people. So this journey through the wilderness is God's preparation for the people to possess their possessions. So I'm saying to your heart, God has something for you to do. He has something for you to achieve and accomplish. And sometimes the setbacks that we experience, sometimes the hard times in life that you and I go through are God's way of preparing us for life at the next level. Remember I told you last weekend, everything that has happened to you prepares you for the things that will happen to you. God is using them to prepare you, strengthening you. He's getting you ready for life at the next level. So with that said, let me just give you this quickly and we'll go home, we'll go get some ice cream. Look at Exodus 13, look at verse 21. By day, the Lord went ahead of them and a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. By night, a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people." Now think about the pillar of cloud by day, pillar of cloud, fire by night. Think about it like God's GPS system out there in front of the people. I don't know if you've ever taken a road trip or maybe just you navigate across town. We've all become very familiar with our maps, right? Ways or Google Maps or whatever you use. We've all become very familiar with those. I, I mean, I almost don't drive across the street without you know putting that in there. I've learned the hard way out here with all this construction. Man, you can get stuck on 35 and be there till Jesus comes. So you wanna, you wanna try to Google that where you can navigate around that a little bit. Get a brother where he's trying to go within a day for heaven's sake. And so we've become very dependent and very accustomed to the navigation. Well, think about it in that way. The Israelites had a navigation system in the form of a pillar of fire at night and the pillar of cloud by day. So what they had to do is listen and follow where God was leading. And what was interesting about the narrative is on this journey toward the Canaan land, God led them through three significant things that I wanna share with you. Number one, he led them into detours. He led them into detours. Let me show this to you. Look at Exodus 13. Uh, Keep reading there, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country that was shorter. Have you ever looked at your GPS map and go, I don't know why it's routing me here. This would be a lot faster. And yet it's telling me this is actually, it's longer to get there, but it's gonna be faster in time. Well, that's kind of what was happening. God was saying to them, look, you can go through the land of the Philistines. It is shorter but it's gonna take you longer because you're not ready for what you'll encounter. Listen to what it says. God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around. Literally in the Hebrews, the idea, he led them in circles. He led them around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. Now imagine you're Moses and you're the children of Israel and you're looking at the maps and you're navigating where you're trying to go. The goal is Canaan and the fastest way is through the Philistines. So this is where we should go, but God's leading them another way. And you're going, well, (laughs) this seems to be the short, the map says go here. But I'm thinking we need to go here. Have you ever been in that place where you sense God's leading you in one way that kind of goes against your intuition? You kind of feel, well, I'm feeling this, but actually this is where God is leading me. This is the door that he's opening to me. So they had to be a little bit torn about what God was doing, but the explanation was in the text. The explanation was, if you go the shortest way, you're gonna be in war. Remember, they had been bondage for 400 years. They didn't have a military. As far as we know, they didn't have weapons. They weren't ready for war. These guys were not prepared to fight. They were not trained. And God was saying, trust me, I know what's best for you. you. You aren't ready for this. You are not at all prepared for what you're trying to take on here. So God was saying, this is gonna appear to be a little crazy, this is gonna be a little longer way, but if you'll trust me in this, I'm gonna take care of you and I'm gonna keep you from hurting you. You know, sometimes a good prayer to pray is, Lord, protect me from me. (laughs) Lord, help me to keep myself in check. I have an old nature, you have an old nature, and sometimes it pulls against the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud, and we wanna do what we wanna do when God may be leading us in a different direction. And sometimes the most powerful thing you and I can pray is the prayer of Jesus in the garden when he said, not my will, but thine be done. So I'm just saying to your heart, one of the first things these guys had to deal with were detours. God led them around in circles. They were just saying, what is going on? This makes no sense. And when they were not sure of where they're going in that uncertainty, some of them were really wanting to go back to Egypt. And so Moses had to stay the course. He had to say, man, God's got a purpose. There's the pillar, there's the fire. We gotta keep moving. We gotta trust God. And so there were the detours. Here's the second one. Exodus chapter 14, look at verse 10. Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. There's the Egyptians marching after them. They're terrified, they cry out to the Lord. Moses answers the people, don't be afraid, stand firm. You'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. These Egyptians you're seeing today, you will never see them again. The Lord will fight for you. You just need to be still. You need to trust God. So the second thing, and I kind of got into it in details a few weeks ago when I talked about this. The second thing they ran into were dead ends. The, the, The Red Sea. Yeah, he's leading them around in detours. And so we're following you, God. We're not sure where this journey is taking us or what you're doing, but we're going to trust you in the midst of it. And in the midst of that, their faith is being strengthened. And finally, God is leading them to the Red Sea. And he leads them to a dead end. There doesn't seem to be a way around it. There doesn't seem to be a way across it. And finally Moses says, look, don't be afraid, stand still. You're gonna see the salvation of the Lord. God's gonna do what he alone can do. And he said, all you need to do is just keep stepping toward the water, and God will provide. And the beautiful lesson of that crossing of the Red Sea is the people just took some little steps by faith, and the waters parted, and the Bible says they went through on, on dry ground. I love this, walking by faith is not seeing what lies dimly at the distance. Please hear that. Walking by faith is not seeing what lies dimly at the distance, but listen, what lies clearly at hand. Not seeing what lies dimly. Sometimes we think faith, if I could, man, if I could just see across the water, if I could just see where this is taken, then I wouldn't be afraid to take some steps. But right now, man, God's not giving me that. Right, right now, I'm not seeing past the immediate. And God may be saying to you, I got the distance taken care of. You need to take care of the immediate. I read a little line that says, by the yard, life is hard. By the inch, life's a cinch. Ever heard that? It's just the idea of a step at a time. The 116th Psalm, here's what David said. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Have you ever used a Coleman lantern? Maybe when you were younger and maybe you're walking down the dock or you're out, you're camping and you hold that Coleman lantern up on an old dark night and it's still not, you're still not gonna see very far. It's not designed to see very far. It's designed to illuminate your next steps. What does the Bible say about itself? A lamp and a light. So what God intends us to do is just take the next step. He just intends for us to continue to trust him. What happened at the Red Sea? The clouds there, the fires there. the direct, Obviously God sees something and we don't see So Moses says, don't be afraid, chill, (laughs) rest in him and just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. You keep taking those steps and as you do, God will do what he alone can do and he'll make a way when there doesn't seem to be another way. What's incredible about it, I love a statement by Charles Spurgeon. He said, the sea that threatened to drown them became the highway for their escape. The sea that threatened to drown them became the highway of their escape. Reminded me when I read that line, I thought about Simon Peter when he walked on the water to Jesus. Remember that story? And it's not because he knew where the rocks were. That was actually a miracle. He was actually walking on the water. And when Simon Peter walked on the water, what that is a beautiful symbol of is Simon Peter is walking over the thing that tried to put him under. Through the power of God, he's walking on top of the thing that could have been putting him under. So God will give you the power, the ability to walk over some of the things that might put you under. So there's the detours. There's the dead end. Here's the last one. There were the dry holes, the dry holes. They're looking for water. They're in the middle of the wilderness. Look in Exodus 15 now, verse 22. Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. They would go into the desert of Shur for three days. They travel in the desert without finding, three days with no water. Their supplies are gone, they finally come up on Myra and they couldn't drink the waters of Myra because it was bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we gonna drink? And Moses cries to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. What did the wood represent? Symbolically, it represented the cross. And and, and the beautiful picture of that for us today is when you apply, here it is, when you apply the power of the cross to the bitter experiences of life, God can take the bitter experiences of life and make them sweet. It's what uh, Paul had in mind, Romans 8:28, when he says, we know that all things work together for good. He didn't say all things were good. He said all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called to his purpose. Here's what happens, guys, when you continue to trust God, even when you're in a dry, bitter experience of life, when you can continue to trust him, he can take that bitter experience and make it sweet. You see, he's too good to do wrong, he's too wise to make a mistake. God knows what he's doing in your life. One of the things the apostles said about Jesus after watching him work, here's what they said, it's beautiful, they said, he does all things well. He does all things well. And this morning in your life and in mine, you you may be going through the detours, you may be at a dry uh, hole, you may be facing a dead end, he still does all things well. Keep your eyes on the pillar of fire, Keep your eyes on the pillar of cloud. Keep trusting God. He will not, he cannot, He no matter, he will not, he cannot fail you. If he failed you, you'd be the first one of his kids that were walking in obedience by faith with him that he ever let down. You won't be the first. You keep trusting him. And here's what's beautiful. Let Let me give this. In Exodus 15, 27, over the next hill, here's what they discover. Exodus 15, 27, 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. Now think about that. How many tribes were there? 12. Each tribe got a well. How many elders were there? 70. Each elder got a palm tree. (laughs) So over the next hill, God had a, a well for every tribe and a palm tree for every elder. That's not happenstance. That's not accidental. That was the sovereignty of God affirming their faith and their trust in him. Just keep walking by faith. Just keep looking to God. Just keep listening to him. David Gibbs is an attorney, and he shared this story of, of being in Alaska, and he was representing a client in Alaska, and to fly out of this area of Alaska, he had to fly on a small plane. And so he was flying with his pilot, and they got up above the clouds on their way toward Anchorage, and the pilot has a medical emergency and passes out. So Gibbs says, man, I'm flying, we're up here in these clouds, and my pilot is passed. He said, I start shaking him, trying to wake him up, and he is, he's out, he's out. And so he said, I didn't know how to, how to work the radio, or I just picked the radio up and just said, help, I need help. And so one of the towers, I guess the tower in Anchorage, responded to him and said, now, that's not protocol. He said, what, you know, you know, what, what's, what's your problem? What's your emergency? My pilot's just passed out. I don't know how to fly the plane. And all of a sudden he found later that they were rerouting all the, the, the aircraft around the Anchorage airport to prepare for an emergency situation. And they got a person in the tower that could talk to this, this, this attorney who was trying now to figure out what he was gonna do with his pilot passed out. And so the guy came on uh, the radio to him and he said, listen, he said, you, I don't have to tell you the seriousness of the situation, but what I do need to tell you is above and beyond everything else, you need to listen to my voice. You need to hear everything that I'm going to tell you and you need to do everything that I'm telling you to do. He said, I'm gonna have to ask you to breathe. I need you to be as calm as you can. He said, you're gonna fly through some weather before we get you back uh, to, to Anchorage. And he said, you are already aware that you're flying in a lot of mountains. So he said, there's a lot of things around you that can kill you. So I need you to listen to me and do everything that I'm asking you to do. And he said, if you listen to me, and you do everything I'm asking you to do, I'm gonna get you home safe. And David said, man, my heart was in my throat. You can only imagine. Man, I just sweat hearing him tell that story. And he said, I listened to all the instructions of altitude, speed of the airplane, ways to turn, things to do. And he said he had other pilots who would come on. And they would say, man, hang in there. We're praying for you. You're going to be fine. They're going to get you home safe. You just keep listening to those guys. He said, some of the freighters that were flying around him were talking to him, trying to encourage him. And he said, all of a sudden, we break through the clouds and I can see the runway ahead. And he said, I listened to what he told me to do, a man that I couldn't see, but he could see me. And he said, I did what he told me to do. And he brought me home safe. And when he told that story, I said, man, that's all of us. That's the people I'm going to be talking to this weekend. Dead ends, detours, dried holes. I mean, you can see the storms around you. You know there are mountains out there. There You know there are things you can do and mistakes you can make that will wreck your life. But can I tell you, there's a God in heaven that you may not be able to see, but he sees you. He knows where you are. And if you listen to his voice and you do what he tells you to do, he'll get you home safe. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. As Isaiah said, it never comes home void. It always accomplishes purpose. It always hits a target. So now that we've experienced worship and we've heard about great things with the Resource Center, and now that we've spent a little time considering your word, I pray we'll apply it to our life. I pray for my friends here that are on some rough road right now but they know they're where you're, they're supposed to be. They know they're right with you, but yet life is hard right now. Give them the courage to keep listening to you and keep obeying you. Keep taking those steps of faith, keep trusting you in the midst of the storm and in the middle of the mountains. Father, help them to trust you. And for those here today or those watching who may never have received you as Savior, I pray this will be the moment where they humble their heart and they say, Lord Jesus, With everything I know about me, I now trust all I know about you. Come into my heart, forgive my sin, and I pray this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.